Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So this week in history, 1957, location was Kazakhstan in what was known at that time as the Soviet Union. The event, the launching of Sputnik, happened last Tuesday was the anniversary from 1957. Much of the surprise and the shock of the world, this thing actually went up into space and orbited the Earth. And now, um, the idea of space travel had been around for centuries. People in almost every culture have the idea of space travel and the dream of space travel and the, the, uh, the thoughts of space travel. In the 1930s, there was a comic strip called Buck Rogers. Um, and the spacesuits in Buck Rogers are, stri- um, I almost said strikingly, strikingly uh, the same as um, the ones that actually were used in, the space, in space travel. So some of the predictions that happened were actually really close to what actually happened in, in reality. Not just from them, but from earlier cultures, some of the things that we thought about. We've always dreamed about going to the moon. But there's a science fiction writer named um, Isaac Asimov. And he made an astute observation that, I, that still sticks in my head. He said, of all the things that were predicted about the moon, all the things that we got right from cultures, you know, centuries in the past, he said, every one of those cultures missed the most significant part of our moon launch. And that was, he said, that it was televised, that the world got to watch it. So nobody got that idea that, you know, like I said, the most significant part of that event, that, that, that was, everybody that predicted all this stuff, my point is that we as humans can predict some things and we can get lucky a couple times, but we can miss the most obvious and, again, some of the most significant stuff that happens in our lives and in our world. Now, along that line, completely on the other hand, Jesus' predictions are incredibly accurate. Now, he cheats because he knows the end before we even started, but I'm just going to say, you know, the things that Jesus talks about aren't really predictions. He's telling us what's going to happen in the future. He's telling us things that are going to happen. He's not guessing about what's going to happen in the future. Now, on that line, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. Um, we've been talking about um, you know, how they work in our lives. And I've had several conversations with, with you guys. Um, people have been coming to me. They email. I got a couple of phone calls. So I appreciate um, the follow-up questions and the ideas uh, to help clarify what we're talking about here and how they work in your lives. And I've heard a lot of conversations have taken place with other people. People have told me about conversations that you have had uh, with each other about uh, this idea of spiritual gifts. And I think it was last week I said that... Um, if this was a college course, it would be a 300 or 400 level class. Well, I think it's time to now talk about the introductory part of that course, about the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about the gifts that he's been giving, but we haven't been talking enough about, I think, the giver um, and the, the concepts that go without. Because when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I think, you know, and I'm trying to dig on anybody, but we as Lutherans, I think we kind of miss the idea of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. We talk about the Trinity, God the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think um, we grasp the God the Father part, the, the creator, the provider, things like that. I think we absolutely gra- grasp the idea of God the Son, uh, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that died on the cross for us and then rose three days later to save us from our sins. I think we get that. But I think we miss that the, how the Holy Spirit functions um, in our day-to-day lives. How exactly does he do that and, and what exactly does he, does he do? And I, to put this in reality, to put a little pressure on you, I think um, if, um, if I were to grab you out in the narthex uh, before the service, like I had to with Josh, and said, hey man, would you mind reading again this morning because our, our reader got sick this morning? Um, but if I grab you out in the narthex and I said, um, we have a guest speaker this morning and I want you to introduce the guest speaker for us. 
And then I said, the guest speaker is going to be the Holy Spirit. Would you be able to introduce the guest speaker as the Holy Spirit? Because when we introduce a guest speaker, what do we do? We, we talk about their background. Um, we talk about where they're from. We talk about their accomplishments. We talk about funny quirks or habits or fun facts or little-known facts. And if it happens to be a good friend of yours, you usually throw in an embarrassing story. Um, maybe if it's a really good friend of yours, you picked them up at the airport last night, you can talk about that. They stayed at your house last night. So, I, again, I say it like this now. If, uh, you know, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here or anything, but could you fill in any of those blanks that I've just described here, any of those blanks that I've, that I've lined out for you here in introducing the Holy Spirit as our guest speaker? Would you have any ideas of what to say? Because, again, like I said, um, as Lutherans, or at least people that attend a Lutheran church on a regular or semi-regular basis, um, we, we don't, we, I think we fall short of understanding who the Holy Holy Spirit is. I think some other denominations take it a little bit too far um, in the other direction, start laying out all kind of uh, prerequisites, qualifications, um, requirements that you have to demonstrate in your life to show that the Holy Spirit is actually living in you. I think that goes too far to the other side. So I think we've got to meet somewhere in the middle and, and talk about who, who the Holy Spirit is in our lives. So let's start with a, a definition. Let's get a working definition of who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and how he works in our lives. Um, maybe we could start by saying, I said it earlier, um, the third part of what we call the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, um, God the Holy Spirit. And again, I think we grasp those first two really well, um, but I think we fall a little short of the Holy Spirit. Now, over here, a minute ago, you heard me baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So he's part of that Trinity, equal parts, equal importance in what we're talking about, how we function, how God works in our lives. So that should definitely be a part of, of what we're talking about here. So now, not only does, is, is God the Father our creator, and Jesus, we understand, is our creator, but so is the Holy Spirit. Because look at some of these verses here um, in the Old Testament. Take Genesis 1, verse 2, right at the beginning here. Earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And what? The Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God is here at creation, right? The Spirit of God is moving over the waters in verse 2. So we're getting him right from the jump. Now we also look in a couple of different places in the Old Testament about the Holy Spirit, how he works, how he functions. I'll get to more of this in a second. But in the book of Job, uh, he describes it like this. Um, his Spirit, God's Spirit, made the heavens beautiful and his power pierced the gliding serpent. So uh, that should definitely be part of our introduction of the Holy Spirit, of uh, introducing him as a guest speaker. Make sure that, that, that creation is part of that, part of who he is. Like I said, we talk about his background, we talk about accomplishments and things like that. Creation is definitely part of that. Uh, if you were to ask, you know, just about anybody on the street how the Holy Spirit works in the creation, they'd probably say, not at all. Isn't he something else that and does some different roles and does some different stuff in our lives? But now we can look at those verses um, with the Holy Spirit present in the Old Testament, we certainly understand him being present in the New Testament as well, just in a different kind of form. Um, for example, take a look at Job again. I like to stick with the same writers so we can stick in the same context and not get too far from each other. Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me, right? Literally created me and breathed the Almighty, uh, I'm sorry, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Now, you remember the creation account 
um, from chapter 2. And I like, this is some of my favorite stuff. Of course, that, whatever I'm talking about that morning, I guess, is my favorite stuff. But anyway, this is some of my favorite stuff about how God created us. God spoke everything into existence, but then he formed man out of the mud, out of the dust, out of the, out of the wire, right? So here's what it says in, in chapter 2, verse 7 of Genesis. It says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust from the ground with his own hands, right? Formed him out of the dust of the ground. And then did what? Breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. And man became a living being. So that's what Job is talking about. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. That's Old Testament stuff right here. And again, sometimes, like I said, if we actually have a grasp on the Holy Spirit being present in the Old Testament, it's a little easier for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is present in the New Testament. And again, Jesus predicting the future, talking about how he's going to give us that Holy Spirit. Again, he cheats a little bit. but So, okay, fast forward in time now from this point. Um, Jesus has walked on the earth for approximately 30 years, 30 some odd years. Um, He's uh, been crucified on this cross, uh, something like this behind us. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Okay, the disciples had a hard time understanding that, had a hard time grasping that, had a hard time actually, believe it or not, they had a hard time believing that. But you got to give them a break. Man, this guy was dead. They saw dead. They know dead when they see it. And this guy was dead. And now all of a sudden, here he is again. Now, he's not walking around with them like he had been for those 30 years, or for those three years, I beg your pardon, for those three years. Um, he's making appearances to them. But there's no doubt about it that he's alive. Now, he's eating food. He, you can touch him. He's doing stuff. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Whatever else happened, Jesus is alive right now. So now the disciples are getting excited again about what they think the Messiah is going to do. So they ask these crazy questions about, um, you know, is now the time you're going to set up your kingdom? Is now the time that we get to sit in your throne room? Is now the time we get to sit back and judge all these heathens that we see going around here? So let's get started and let's get set up. And Jesus says, you know, um, all of that is on a need-to-know basis. The timing is on a need in the military thing. You don't need to know right now. So. But he says this. He makes this promise right here. Not a prediction. He makes a promise here in Acts 1, or, yeah, Acts 1 verse 8. Um, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, so this is Jesus talking about sending his Holy Spirit and being a part of us. So whenever I come across a verse like this or verses like that, I like to point out that that Greek word is the word for power is the Greek word dunamis. Um, and that's the word where we get our word for dynamite, that kind of power that can't be controlled, you know, that's pretty much going to take care of everything. That's, the, that's where we get our word. But the Greek definition goes beyond that. I got Thayer's dictionary uh, definition of it here. The Greek definition says this about the word power, dunamis. It says it's inherent power. Power residing, listen to this, almost poetry here. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. It says the miracle kind of power. And my favorite says the power and resources arising from numbers. We talk about working together. We talk about how all of our spiritual gifts work together. It gives us that kind of power, that dunamis kind of power, that kind of power that cannot be contained, that power that cannot be held. Simply by who we are, by virtue of our nature, God puts that power in us. So now as we continue our discussion on the aspects of the Holy Spirit this morning, uh, I think that we have to hold on to the fact that we're talking about God in every aspect. In no uncertain terms, we are talking about God in every aspect. So, okay, I want to unpack a couple of other things that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit. Think about that word power for a second here. Okay, so the first and most important thing we have to remember about the Holy Spirit is, number one, He resides in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. 
1 Corinthians, Paul says the best, I think. He says, or do you not know that you are the temple of God? Look at that. This is a new King James Version, by the way. It says that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now remember, that wasn't the case in the Old Testament. That wasn't the case before. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people um, for a specific reason, a specific person, person for a specific reason, for a specific purpose. You know, that's, that was the kind of thing that, that the Holy Spirit came onto these people for. But let me quick, be quick to point out again that the Holy Spirit was there in, as part of our DNA, part of who we are. Just not that kind of power that we can experience today. The Holy Spirit was present, just not in the kind of power that we have today. Otherwise, how could David say in Psalm 51, verse 10 and 11, uh, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And then it says this, Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. How can we take something that's not already there? Right? The Holy Spirit is already residing just in a different form, a different idea, different, for a different purpose. But that's the difference between Old Testament and New Testament is Jesus is the difference. Jesus came and he made a difference in everything. Jesus dying on the cross, raising on that third day, bringing, us, bringing himself back to life, coming back to life. And then telling the disciples, now like I said up here a second ago, that he told the disciples, We're gonna, I'm going to leave. I have to go. I have to be someplace else now. And, the, and Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave. And the disciples said, say what? How can that be to our advantage that you're going to leave us? Because, again, we've been with you for three years. You've been providing for us this whole time. How can that be possible that it's going to be to our advantage? I want to show you this. That's John 16. We're sticking with John, uh, some with Job this morning. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. We could make a sermon series out of this verse right here. There's so much to unpack. I'm going to do a little bit for you this morning just to get the idea of where we're going with this and how the Holy Spirit works in us. First of all, that word advantage. Okay, so I've told you probably a thousand times by now, it's almost impossible to translate something from one language to another and get all the nuances and everything that goes along with it. My favorite example is you can't translate Mary had a little lamb into any other language and get all those nuances with those few words, right? So advantage, and we might think we know what that, that word advantage means, right? Um, it means something that's beneficial is what, uh, you know, synonym that we would use. But that's not what the Greek talks about it. The Greek word for this advantage, that's actually a compound word. The second half of that word means to be carried along by something. Um, and it also means to be um, as if you were a passenger on a ship. To be carried along as if you were a passenger on a ship. I want you to remind you for a second, in case we've drifted off, we're talking about the Holy Spirit being in us. Being in us. Now, all of a sudden, from this word, we're talking about us being in the Holy Spirit, and He's carrying us off. He's the one that's doing it for us. He's the one weirder than that precious cargo that we hear about in other, in other verses and things like that. Being carried along as you, if you're a passenger on a ship. Also being supported with speed and with force. That's the Thayer's Dictionary definition of that word, the second half of that compound word um, in the Greek language. Something that's being carried along, the, being the cargo on a ship or a passenger on a ship. Then that word helper, okay, talking about what does the Holy Spirit do for us? Well, he's our helper. Uh, in your English translation, this is NASB 95 translation, but your translation might use the word comforter, might use the word counselor, companion, protector. In the Greek, it's a word parakletos. 
Give it a shot. Parakletos. The, the, the second half is rock, lay, toss. Say that part. Rock, lay, toss. Now just put a pa in front of it. Parakletos. Dude, I paid a lot of money for people to teach me how to say this kind of stuff, all right? <laughs> You're getting it for free. The definition, uh, there's two parts. Uh, I know there's a lot of space for notes today in your bulletins. Parakletos means to be called to one side. So the Holy Spirit has been called to your side. In this same verse, it says that we are in the Holy Spirit. And now it says that the Holy Spirit has been called to our side. Is that a contradiction? No. That's to get the idea that it's all one idea. It's all the same thing. It all works together. Are we with Him? Are we in Him? Is He in us? Yes, is the answer to all of that. But again, why? Okay, so parakletos. Thayer's definition, dictionary definition, says this. This is going to blow your mind, blew my mind. One who pleads another's case before the judge. One who pleads another's case before the judge. Now, if we had a couple more hours this morning, you guys busy for the rest of the day? You got anything else to do? If we had another hour, we could talk about, okay, Parakletos talks about the Holy Spirit pleading our case in front of the judge. I can show you eight verses off the top of my head where Jesus is the one that's going to be pleading our case in front of the judge. Is that a contradiction? No, it's not. It means that they're all one. They're all together. Where do these lines start going and where do they stop forming? Do we think about the Holy Spirit being present in creation? Do we think about the Holy Spirit being um, in the judgment room when we're you know, at the end there? Or do we think about all that? We, like I said, it's all one big idea. They all work together. So, so often we separate them. We've got to have them in categories. We've got to have them in those little pigeonholes. But God says, eh, it doesn't work like that. Those lines are intertwining and those colors are starting to meld together and they're making this beautiful picture. Step back, take a look at it and see how it works and how you fit into that beautiful picture as well. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing for us. That's who the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are. Interchangeable. One idea. Sounds like Trinity Sunday, but I'm going to pull it back into here about the Holy Spirit again. So the third thing I want you to see this morning is the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Okay, again, sticking in the book of John this morning. John 14, 26. The advocate, all of a sudden, Parakletos is all of a sudden advocate here. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will what? Teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. You know, so every Sunday morning, when we first get here, I stand in this spot and I thank God for the Holy Spirit gathering us together. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He calls, it gathers, and he enlightens. Another fancy word for enlighten is teach. He teaches us. And I say that all the time. When we hear your words from wherever they're coming, teach us what you want us to know. Help us to bring out your lesson into the world, into our minds. Help that to become part of our DNA who we are, whether it's here on Sunday morning, whether it's in that uh, hearth room on Tuesday morning, whether it's here on Wednesday night with our youth group, which is rocking, by the way, or is it here on Thursday night when we're singing here? By the way, I'm just going to take a time out here and talk about these three people, if I can. <laughs> All right, the, you saw the girls up here singing. They're part of our youth group, and they're rock stars of our youth group. Um, I, made, I threw out a challenge last week, and I said, hey, if you can get 50 people here in this youth group, in a church this size, I mean, that's blown the doors off the place. I said, if you can get 50 people in our youth group, I've got a huge surprise for you. They got in the mid-40s, and next week they promised that they were going to try to get more. But the thing is, these people are coming because of young people like this that are influencing others, talking about it in school. 
bringing them in, inviting people. I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. That's the Holy Spirit working in us in real life. You know, carrying it out, saying, you got to come. you got to see what's going on here. And we're having a great time, and we're learning about the promises of God in our lives. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. He gathers us. He teaches us. He enlightens us. i got one more that I want you to teach, or that I want to talk to you about. But I need some, some of the kiddos up here. So uh, impromptu uh, children's sermon, so come on up, you guys. Not impromptu, because I prepared for this. We're using two of my favorite things here this morning, and I'm not talking about starbursts. Have a seat. Thank you for coming up. Bring this over here so I can cheat a little bit. Two of my favorite things. Can you see okay? I'll push it a little bit for two of my favorite things. One is fire. A children's sermon isn't a children's sermon without fire. He's like, I'm out, man. (laughs) I remember what happened last time we did this. And another thing, my favorite thing is to use is balloons. So I brought in this balloon dude. Now, does he look like the happiest dude on the planet? I tried not to make him look too sad. I tried to make him look a little concerned. Does he look a little concerned? Because I'm going to get him close to this fire. Because now the balloon is going to represent us. It's going to represent people in the world. This fire is going to represent danger or things that aren't all that great to have around. You know, some dangerous things and some and difficult times. Sometimes we call them trials and tribulations. Okay, so if you were a balloon, you'd probably be afraid of two things. Sharp things, right? And maybe fire. You think the balloon is going to like fire? Okay, so this represents a person that does not have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so when we go out into the world and we get into all kinds of danger, what do you think is going to happen to Mr. Balloon here? You think? I don't know, man. What's going to happen here? Oh, yeah, it did. It even blew out my candle that time. All right, so, all right, not so great on that one. All right, so this guy has a smile on his face. This represents somebody who has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Okay, so they're going to come into danger, just like everybody else in the world, whether we're a Christian or not. We're going to run into danger. We're going to run into difficult times. But if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, there is. I'm going to give it away in a second here. But look at it. Protected, right? It's in that fire, right? It's burning, right? Look at it. Try it one more time. Bang! Oh, just kidding. The difference is, what? There's water inside of this. So we often refer to the Holy Spirit as water. Jesus said, if you come to me, you'll have rivers of water running through you. Why? To protect you. So that's our fourth point here, is that the Holy Spirit is our protector. He is our parakletos protector. Okay, so now, the question we should be asking, and the question we have to talk about, I'm going to blow this out. The question we have to ask and the thing we have to talk about is how to get that in our lives. How do we get the Holy Spirit into our lives? Well, I've been talking about for a few minutes here that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is kind of all one person. So the way we get the Holy Spirit into our lives is we ask Jesus into our lives. And Jesus says anyone who believes in me is going to get the Holy Spirit and is going to get that kind of protection. It doesn't mean that we're not going to get into flames. There's going to be danger. There's going to be stuff that's going to be difficult to deal with. But Jesus says, now I'm going to be inside of you and it's going to be easier for you to get through this. You're going to be able to survive that and the world's not going to eat you alive. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer. Congregation, I'd like you to join in on this prayer. So uh, fold your hands, bow your heads, repeat after me. 
I beg your pardon. Repeat after me. Okay, let's pray this. Dear Jesus, I need you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. Here's a big part. I open my heart to you. Take control of my life. And then we usually say something like, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's that simple, my friends. Here, everybody grab a Starburst and then you can head back to your parents. I got one more thing I want to talk about. Can I have two? Yeah. Here you go. That's the prayer of life. Now, I want to end this morning with a story. And actually, a, a round of a who dis. Now, if you're paying attention to this picture, you'll be able to see this. Who dis? I'll give you a hint. That thing next to him is a telegraph. Samuel Morris, for you history buffs, come on, all right, Samuel Morris, okay, Uh, inventor of the telegraph, inventor of Morris Code, of course, now he was asked during an interview, um, he said, uh, he was asked the question, while you're doing these experiments, while you're doing these things, do you ever get like writer's block, do you ever get to a place where you don't know what to do next, and, and you just get stuck to a standstill, and didn't know what to do next, and he said yes, his answer really might surprise you, he said every scientist does, he said, but when, when that happens to me, um, like it happens to everyone, he said, I pray to God and ask for more light. He said, I asked God for more light. And he says, and God always gave that to me. And then he went on to say he has a hard time. He doesn't like to take credit for any of his inventions or anything that he's done. He doesn't feel right about it. He didn't think he deserved that credit because it really came from God. All of his inventions came from God. He admitted, obviously, that he came up with some valuable concepts. I mean, we know him for the telegram, but, I mean, there's a lot more things than that. Uh, but he said, you know, all those ideas, all those valuable concepts came from God because God wanted to give that to the world, and he was just thankful that God used him to bring that out into the world so that we could receive it. And he, God, he was grateful that God chose to reveal it through him. Now, here's a point that every Christian needs to understand that prayer that we said here a moment ago for the, for the youngins, but for everybody, right? That's something we need to experience every day. It's something we need to have as a part of our life. Because when we open our heart to Christ, when we open our heart to Jesus, uh, when we let him into our lives, as we say, we tap into the mind of God. We tap into the mind of God, and then like Samuel Morse, we can accomplish great things. We get that Holy Spirit power in us, that dunamis power inside of us and that dunamis power mm, can change your life that dunamis power can change your family that dunamis power can change your workplace that dunamis power can change your school that dunamis power can change the world around you God has already given you that power. That power already lives inside of you. We have to put it into practice and again, change the world around you. 
that first part is letting Jesus into your heart, accepting him into your life and accepting him into your world. And then when we do that, he will change your life and he will change your world. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, again, I